0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Declan Leary. He's the associate editor of the American Conservative and is a frequent contributor of Crisis Magazine. Uh, He recently wrote an article. It's called No Allies Who Buy Babies, and it has to do with Dave Rubin and his partner, uh, hiring a surrogate so that they can have children in their relationship. Um, and the kind of the subtitle was The Problem of Gay Surrogacy Reminds Us That the Rights Alliance with Anti-Woke Liberals Cannot and Should Not Survive. Declan, thanks for joining us today. Of course, Deacon Jeff. Thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting. You You did a really good job in the article, you know, kind of covering, you know, the negative aspects of all this whole thing because what we're seeing is people that you know tend to think maybe a little bit more conservative politically coming from the left because of what's going on and conservatives all of a sudden embracing every aspect of their life like they've basically watered down all their social morals just so they can get along and that's that's really dangerous
1: isn't it right it is and it's, there is a sort of understandable impulse uh, when you realize that you need to make compromises and you need allies who aren't going to agree with you on everything. Um, you cannot be sort of absolutely committed to, to purity tests on every single issue. But um, conservatives, and especially religious conservatives, have chosen all of the wrong issues to compromise on. Um, basically, all of the social and all of the most directly moral issues uh, have taken a back seat to the sort of race issues are, are the big, you know, headline grabbing thing now. And that's one of the big things that, that Dave Rubin has been an ally to them on and, uh, economic issues for a long time have been valued over social issues. And we see now very, uh, graphically illustrated in Dave Rubin's account of his creation and purchase of children. The costs of the the disordered priorities of the conservative movement here.
0: So just so to fill people in, so Dave Rubin, you know, big on social media, has got his own podcast. Uh, he and his partner decided they wanted to have children, so they ended up uh, having eighteen, I believe, uh, human embryos created, and then they split them nine apiece, and had their sperm in there so each one could be a dad then they went out and hired a woman to be their surrogate just so they could have children and am i missing
1: anything that's kind of the the crux of what's going on there right well hired two different women actually so so one one woman each is being paid to to carry each of, of the men's children um and then uh another interesting so the it's worth noting that those 18 eggs um, to create those 18 individual embryos were purchased too. Um, So there's another financial transaction, another sort of perverse legal layer there. Um, And Dave Rubin in a video actually explains how they went about that, that they go on these websites. He describes them as like a dating app, like Tinder, where you, you basically, um, evaluate a woman on these given criteria and you swipe left or swipe right to set, depending on whether or not you want to match with her. And then, um, you pay a given rate to, to purchase her eggs based on those evaluated criteria. Um, and then a similar process is, is gone through for the surrogates. And then of course there's the, the financial element there too. Um, but just at every step of the way, there's a, a sort of unnatural, uh, unnatural element that Dave Rubin brazenly admits to.
0: Yeah, and and he's not the only one, right? I mean we've had not necessarily conservatives, but you know, Pete Buttigieg and his partner did it, right? This the secretary uh, secretary of uh transportation, I believe. Uh
1: Anderson cooper Well I believe gone- actually. Yeah, go ahead. This uh Pete Buttigieg actually uh, adopted babies rather than using surrogates. Um, so it's oh, did he? Okay. Where, you know, yeah. yeah, it's actually, you know, our allies are worse than our enemies at this point.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. I forgot that that was an adoption, but it was one of those, uh, again, children going into uh, same-sex households. And, and I think what really gets lost is there's really no – compassion for the children right children are basically when you can buy and sell and do whatever they become a commodity and there's no thought to what's going to happen when they grow up right how are that how is this going to be explained um you know it's hard enough to function in this world when you don't even know who who you came from why it happened i mean you you lose part of your identity that will never really ever be explained
1: Right. There's, um, it's, it's very sort of politically incorrect to talk about the actual effects of, of gay parenthood on a child. Um, and, you know, there are sort of these raging debates that have been going on for years about whether it actually affects, you know, depression and school dropout rates and financial success later in life. And, you know, that's not a settled question. Um, you could guess which way i lean but what absolutely is a settled question is that something is missing in the world view of a person who is raised without a mother Um, and especially someone who is raised without a mother and told that that's the way things are supposed to be there's a difference between you know the tragic circumstances where a mother dies and a child is raised by a single father and some other arrangement but when they're raised in, in an unnatural arrangement and told that this is the way the world is meant to be, that this is actually good, rather than something unfortunate or accidental. Um, obviously, that person is going to grow up viewing the world the wrong way, and we can't be afraid to say that.
0: Well, and I think there have been you know, people who have spoken up. I don't know if you know, Katie Faust from Them Before Us Allie Beth Stuckey has done as on YouTube right. explain, even though she's a friend with Dave Rubin. Uh, Jennifer Roback Morris just wrote an article for the National Catholic Register. But, you know, on the other side, you know, talking about all these, whether, you know, conservatives and some religious conservatives, you know, Glenn Beck, even Prager U came out and, uh, you know, congratulated Christopher Rufo. Uh, I think you you mentioned in your article the press secretary for Governor DeSantis. There are people coming out and and praising what's going on at Fusiland. It's like they have no idea about what's going to happen down the road. It's just an immediate, hey, congratulations, with no thought for the child. And really, again, really throwing away your moral compass just so that you can be nice to somebody.
1: Right. And again, you know, those people are – you know, Dave Rubin is never going to be on our side, I don't think. I don't have much hope that I'm going to be able to to persuade Dave Rubin to see things the right way. But those people who, like you said, just sort of immediately responded, just a gut instinct, wanted to be kind to Dave Rubin. Um, th- those are the people we want to kind of reach and try to get them to grasp the moral implications and come around to, to the right way of viewing things.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how you know, people who take the high moral ground, which is the ground we're supposed to take, the minute they are presented with a tough choice where they have to speak the truth uh, to somebody who's not generally going to embrace it, way too often they cave and they water it down and they basically deny the truth. They deny you know, the importance of family, a mother and a father in this case. They deny the importance of what children need to to really grow up in a, in a traditional, faithful household where there is a mom and a dad. And they ended up just selling all that down the river just because they really, in this woke culture, it feels like they don't have the courage to say what they say they believe.
1: Right. I, I think a lot of people don't have the courage, but I think it can also be as simple as, you know, people don't have uh, the, the formation. They don't, they don't even understand that they're wrong. And what they need is, you know, examples like like you said, Ali, Beth Stuckey and all these other people who have stood up. Um, I think they're going to move some of those people in the right direction. Well, you know, and, and
0: unfortunately, right, the, the list that I have was females. You're one of the few male voices that I have seen stand up and, and say, hey, wait, this is wrong, right? We can't sell our souls to the devil on these type of tough moral issues. And you're one of the few guys that are staying up and guys really need to stand up and do this as well. You know, the Glenn Beck's, the Chris Rufo's and the different people, like that, God bless for what they do. But man, they caved on such an important issue when they had a chance to speak truth about the importance of marriage, family and children. Uh, so I, I really appreciate that's one of the reasons I reached out to you because I really appreciate you doing and writing this article um, because you you do a very good job and, and are very concise on what these issues are.
1: Thank you yeah I mean I, I completely understand why so many men don't there's it's sort of a broader issue on life questions that we're tempted to just view them as women's issues and say you know because because we could not possibly find ourselves in the position of a surrogate mother or a mother in an unplanned pregnancy, we don't want to talk about it. we don't want to wade into the the sort of culture war over it um, but obviously there's these are you know these are human rights issues, these are moral issues um they are issues of of universal importance um, and you need sort of strong male voices stepping up and defending the family and defending the sanctity of life. Um, you can't be willing to just Back and let it be a a quote unquote woman's issue.
0: Well, and I think you know one thing I neglected to say, and I meant to say it in the beginning was you know these children who are conceived in this and you know through in vitro fertilization and the use of surrogacies and buying all these you know human embryos, they are gifts from God, right? It's not the children's fault, and we as adults it's really our responsibility to look out for them and care for them and for their well-being especially as they they grow into adulthood and it's almost like again they're a commodity and they'll adapt we just want to make sure that these adults who generally don't make decisions like adults should uh you know are feeling good about their decision and really it's a total neglect of children isn't it
1: right i mean it's the Children are supposed to, or parents rather, are supposed to serve children. And we've completely flipped the script. And we, we live in a society that thinks that children exist to, to serve the, the needs of the parent, um, that you have children to sort of feel fulfilled, um, that children are there to make you happy. And it's just sort of another step along the, the life path. And you just sort of check this box. You know, you get your good job, you get your house. Um, you know, you get a dog and then if the dog stops fulfilling you, then you go off and you have a kid or two. Um, and if you listen to, to Dave Rubin's explanation of this in his video or if you read um, his his book from, I believe, 2018, there's a, an extensive passage about this. It's very, very clear that that's exactly the mindset he's going into with, this with, that it's about, you know, sort of fulfilling a personal desire and not about, a selfless gift to the children. Um, it's all about the, the need that he feels.
0: Well, and that's why, you know, when if we look at children as a gift and not a right, then we get it, right? If we're blessed with children, what a gift that is, but they're not a right where I can go out and purchase, purchase them and, and purchase their embryos. Because when you talk about, you know, fertilizing 18 eggs, right that's 18 human embryos that that are created and when you look at the research you know they implant more than the person actually wants so then a lot of times it becomes a selective abortion because i don't want triplets or i don't want twins i only want one child you know the remaining embryos might be frozen they might be destroyed they might be used for scientific research i mean we're treating human embryos that we all came from as just this nebulous thing that
1: you know we can do whatever we want with it, aren't we? Right, and like you said, it's sort of the fundamental error that it all stems from is this belief that came about pretty recently that there is a right to children, um, and it's sort of, a, of of a piece with this broader transition in our moral vocabulary from responsibilities to rights. Everything has become a right now, um, and. You know, in general, that's a very troubling trend uh, with a lot of negative consequences. But when you make when you try to establish for yourself a right to another person, uh, that can only end in moral and social catastrophe.
0: Yeah, because once there's a right, there's one's going to be the dominant and the other one's going to be basically at at your whim, whatever they decide to do, I think you know, I just was looking online before we called, you know, they estimate that there's a million frozen embryos just in the United States alone. I
1: mean, yeah, that's,
0: it's, it's, it's an that's astonishing number. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, we, we've, we basically normalized divorce, right. And, and even in a divorce, you read, you know, there's plenty of good books out there, you know, the, that primal loss and different things from Layla Miller, who talks about how difficult it is for children. But the the concept of, I'm going to get divorced because it's the best for me. And you know what? The children will, you know, they're, they're young, they're adaptable, they'll be fine. It's almost like there's not even a thought for that. Now, that's not to disregard, you know, if there's abuse or something, it sometimes divorce is necessary, you know, for the safety of a particular individual. But this, you know, we'll just destroy the family and children are resilient and we don't have to worry about them. Uh, you know, it just kind of follows through with what we're talking about today, where they're, they're a, a commodity, not a gift, and they'll be fine. It's not a big deal. And it really is a shame when you look at how the family is being attacked and so many people are just going along with it just because they want to be nice.
1: And, and like you say, the, the losers in all of this are, are children. Um, They suffer more from, from these uh, transformations than anybody else does. And it's just so difficult to have that conversation. So few people are willing to step up and say what, what's actually happening here. Well, I don't know if you just saw. There was a
0: story just the other day of uh, two females who wanted to have a baby, and I think I think it was in New York. And they, the one woman, they implanted the the fertilized embryo into her, and it turned out she got a boy, and they wanted a girl, and now they're suing. She's saying, "I feel like I've been raped." I mean, you can just see the slippery slope when we start. Treating these kids as commodities. Now, here's a, a lovely child, a little boy, coming into the world. Who I didn't want you. I wanted a girl, and I feel like I've been raped because I had to give birth to you.
1: Right, and this is a broader problem that we see with surrogacy in general. Uh, there are often in surrogacy contracts these uh, provisions that you know, if a if a child is born with a disability or found in pregnancy. To have a disability. Um, so if it's found in pregnancy, there are often provisions that the child has to be aborted. Um, and this sort of logically follows from the commodification of children inherent in surrogacy itself. Uh, you can't really have a surrogacy that doesn't lead to those kinds of, uh, of evils sooner or later.
0: Well, and the other thing, you know, you read stories all the time, these frozen embryos that get bought and sold, that the embryo is actually older at at different times. I've read this on several different uh, instances where the embryo is actually older than the people that the embryo is implanted in. So the children are born and they were actually created in this world before their parents were born. (laughs)
1: I mean, it's almost mind boggling
0: when you think of it, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's, uh, I mean, it is just a, such a clear illustration of how, uh, how unnatural the whole process is, how, how much we're sort of rebelling against God's design here.
0: Well, and it only, you know, it's, it really is a distorting structure of the family and, and the family is the foundation of society. And we wonder why we are where we are. And in this instance with Dave Rubin, right? You have a genetic mother. You have a birth mother. There really is no social mother. I don't know if you just have two dads. So you're going to have this little kid who's, you know, 10, 12, 14, whenever they decide to have this conversation. And he's going to go, well, who's my mom? Why Everybody else has a mom. Why don't I have a mom? And they're like, well, the genetic mom or the birth mom? Uh, well, social mom, depending on what the uh, the situation may be, it, it it's, I mean, it's just really a shame that these conversations are going to have to take place in a world that's struggling, and kids trying to identify who am I, they're really going to have a hard time doing that, and it's really going to lead to um, some bad
1: outcomes. Right, and like you say, that you know the family is the fundamental building block of society, and. Only in the context of the family can that question, who am I, actually be adequately answered. Um, but of course, Dave Rubin would not agree. Um, I, I guarantee you 100% if you asked Dave Rubin what the fundamental building block of society is, he would say the individual. Um, and all of this is sort of the, the predictable outcome of a social uh, perspective that values the individual above all else and that, <clears throat> that uh, views the individual as the foundation of society. And it's just a reminder that whether or not somebody actually understands the family as the root of civilization is the litmus test. That is how we determine who our allies are, who we can compromise with not, you know, whether they support the same marginal tax rate as we do.
0: Yeah, and it really, I think that's, that's a good point. And it is kind of the the litmus test that we need to be able to identify ourselves. I guess the question is, everybody who's listening, you know, how much do we value the family? Right? Do we support a mom and dad? Because what we're seeing is that moms and dads are expendable. You know, they're only needed for a part of the process, but when it comes to raising the children, they're really not necessary in their eyes. It could be anybody. When, you know, any of us who are who have grown up and been fortunate enough to be in a nuclear family with a mom and a dad uh, realize that each gives us something that we need. I remember when my daughter was in college, one day she said to me, Dad, I... You know, there's something I really appreciate about you, and I'm like, oh, good grief, here it comes. And she was like, you know, when I need a hug, I go to mom, and when I need a kick in the pants, I go to you, and I know which one I need. Um, It really is, moms and dads are complimentary, and to take one piece out is really, you know, it's
1: like taking one of the legs of a three-legged stool out, isn't it? Right. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, it's the children who suffer here and nobody's thinking of that.
0: No, but I think you are. And I think I think your article um, was spot on. And, you, you know, you mentioned here in your article, you talk about, you know, the normalization of homosexuality, especially the normalization of homosexual parenthood. That's really what's trying to be pushed here. And if we don't defend traditional families, then we're going to be complicit with this normalization process, aren't
1: we? Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the the classic line, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Uh, conservatives and people of state more broadly have been making concession after concession after concession for years. Um, and we keep saying, you know, this far, but no further. And it just keeps going further. Um, so, you know, the, the solution is not to stand where we are right now and just say again this far but no further. It's to go all the way back to the beginning and try to undo the entire process that brought us here.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the process has barely gotten here because of capitulation. You know, people who don't appreciate the truth, the importance of family, Um and if we're not willing to, you know, that, that's a hill, you know, you hear that's not a hill I want to die on. But this is a hill that we need to die on because family, civilization, you know, children uh, are at stake here. And if we're really not willing to stand up to this,
1: then I don't know what, what's worth willing to stand up for, right? Absolutely. I mean, everything else flows from this issue. And if we can't get the moral questions about life and its origins and the proper ordering of the family, if we can't get those questions right, we can't expect to get anything else right.
0: So just out of curiosity, what's been the response to your article?
1: It's actually been uh, surprisingly positive. Um, I was a little worried that it would that it would blow (laughs) up, you know, that that people would be, be angry about it. And of course, you know, there are there are always the critics, you know, people who, uh, you know, just cast it as, you know, gay bashing and say that, you know, this is just sort of bigotry. Um, you get used to that, but overwhelmingly, um, response from, from conservatives and other people of faith has been, uh, surprisingly and, uh, welcomely positive. Well, you know, I'm glad to hear that because,
0: you know, we do live in this, uh, cancel culture and we, and, you know, we never let truth get in the way of a good story or someone's feelings, right? It's almost, it's almost like uh, the, the law that uh, DeSantis just signed down in Florida, right? It's been totally misrepresented, but that's another instance where we don't, it, it's basically a sign that we don't care about kids, right? We're trying to push our fanaticism upon Kindergartners, first graders and second graders. So it's not only the surrogacy issue, right? It's really kids in general at any stage, we're willing to pollute their minds so that we feel better about ourselves.
1: Right, absolutely. But then, you know, another interesting point to sort of bring it around full circle um, is that Dave Rubin himself is a a big supporter of uh, that parental rights and education bill that Governor DeSantis just signed in Florida. Um, You know we ought to kind of push him on that. Uh, the logic of you know his the moral framework in which he operates and which led him to you know all of these actions that we've been discussing, um, does he not see that conflicting at all with the the sort of uh, the valuing of children and the primacy of the family over? you know, the, the left-wing moral vision, um, to see, not see those two things conflicting. Um, what we need to make really clear is that, you know, the one, this sort of moderate liberal vision that we want to compromise with inevitably leads to the other.
0: Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.